Hello, everyone. I'm Jerry Savelle. Welcome to our broadcast today. We have a very special program with you, and I also have a very special friend, Richard Roberts. Welcome, sir. Jerry, it's an honor to be with you. God bless you and Carolyn and all your ministry. Thank you so much. We've been friends for many, many years. Many, many years. And, and of course, I'm uh, so grateful. Uh, I've loved your, your mom and your dad. Of course, they're in heaven now, but yes. I tell you, they were very special people in my life. Well, I, love I thank them so very much. Thank God for my heritage, and I thank God that, that you're my friend and I'm your friend. You have imparted into my life in so many ways, and I appreciate it. I'm honored to be on your program today. Well, thank you, sir. We're going to be talking about honoring your heritage of faith. And you know, the first thing I want to say about that is this the faith movement is not over. In fact, mm -hmm. let me even correct that statement. It is not a movement. It has never been a movement. It is a lifestyle. That's right. The just shall live by faith. And anybody that tells you that the movement is over, they just don't know a whole lot about the Bible. Amen. Because faith is a lifestyle. And we're going to be living by faith for the rest of our lives. And in fact, in case you didn't know it, when you get to heaven, you're still going to be using your faith. The only difference in using your faith in heaven and using it in the earth I know you've heard the devil's not going, so there won't be any resistance. To it. <laughs> <laughs> that means you're going to have a victory every time. That's right. I like that. We'll be, we'll be creating universes with our faith. Praise God. Amen. Richard, you grew up in a household of faith. Yes. Of course, your dad was famous for being one of the great pioneers of faith. And uh, tell me what it was like to grow up in the house with Oral and Evelyn Roberts. How much time do you have? <laughs> do you have a few hours? Just tell uh, me all the good parts. Uh, <laughs> how much time do you have? Uh, Jerry, it was good and bad. Uh, it was good from the standpoint that I loved my dad. I loved yeah. to travel with him, and I got to travel with him all over the world. And mm -hmm. really, I was schooled in faith yeah. and schooled in the healing ministry. It was hard because he was gone a lot, and, and sometimes I couldn't go because of school. Yeah. So I had to be alone a lot because he traveled so much. And also it was difficult because I took the brunt of all the Oral Roberts oh, yeah. jokes I'm when sure. I was in school. And the, the, the students were critical, and sometimes the teachers were critical. Yeah. And the children had heard something from their parents, and, and I took a lot of and I took a lot of, uh, uh, of attacks against me. But, but overall, I have to give praise to God because yeah. it, did, it did teach me strength. Mm -hmm. it, it, it caused me to be independent. It caused me to learn how to use my faith like you were talking about right. and to live by faith every day of my life. Yeah. You know, uh, when I first came to the Lord in 1969, the man who brought the message of faith to me was Kenneth Copeland. Mm -hmm. I didn't know at that time that he had worked for your dad. Yes. That he was co-pilot on the airplane. That's right. I knew him in those days. And uh, a lot of the things that I learned from Brother Copeland, uh, I didn't know at that time that he'd learned them from your dad. Mm -hmm. In fact, I remember one time uh, I was driving him to a meeting. Uh, I, I, shortly after I surrendered my life to the Lord, uh, God created the opportunity for me to come to work with Brother Copeland. I moved to Fort Worth. and and I worked for him. And back in those days, it was just me and him and Gloria. We traveled mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all over the place and he's preaching the word of faith and so forth. And I, I would set up the meeting halls and then I would driving back and forth to the meeting. And uh, one of the first things he told me was, now, I don't talk when we drive to the meeting. He said, the last voice I want to hear is God in my prayer time. Yeah, that, so don't be talking to me. That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know they learned that from your dad. And then uh, he said, uh, uh, every once in a while, he'd, he'd, we'd just be driving along there and I didn't talk. I was just as quiet as I possibly could because uh, I respected the anointing sure. on his life. Sure. I saw what it produced in the meetings and I didn't want to be any uh, reason why that anointing wasn't present because 
I didn't do my job, you know. So I remember sometimes he would, we'd just be driving along and he'd hit me on the shoulder and he'd say, I'm going to give you the three keys to success. Number one, find out the will of God. Mm -hmm. Number two, confer no more with flesh and blood. Number three, get the job done at any cost. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm driving and I couldn't stop and write it down. And so I would confess, I have the mind of Christ. Yes. I will remember everything yes. he said. And as soon as we got to where we were going, I got my notebook out and I wrote all that down. And then one day I was reading your, one of your father's books. And there was that, <laughs> find out the will of God, confer no more well, with flesh and blood. Well, you know? Let me and tell you. So that was, Kenneth was passing down that heritage of faith sure. that he learned from your dad to me. Well, let me see if he did this to you, because here's what my dad used to do to us. We would get in the car after the service and we learned not to make the mistake of saying, I liked your message, Daddy, that because <laughs> he would say, tell me three things that you liked about my message. And we had to be prepared. Uh -huh. We didn't say we liked his message unless we were prepared with three specific reasons. Yeah. We learned that from him as well. Oh yeah, I learned that <laughs> preaching with him at ORU <laughs> and uh, in the minister's conference one time. And I said, uh, Brother Robert, that was such a great sermon. He said, give me the three main scriptures I mentioned and three main points. <laughs> I went blank. And I, and I knew it all, but I just went blank. I wasn't expecting that. And so uh, a number of years later, I invited him and your mom to come and do one of my conferences. They were staying in our home. And Jesse and Kathy Duplantis, which we were very close to and still are, uh, they had never met your dad at that time. So I asked him if it'd be all right if I invite Jesse and Kathy to come and stay with us as well. So he said, sure. And uh, so after that opening night service, your dad preached, we were going to have dinner at our home. So I deliberately set Jesse next to your dad. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I thought, sure, he would say, Brother Roberts, that was a great sermon. <laughs> and he did. And, and your dad said, give me my three minutes. <laughs> and, and Jesse's lips started quivering. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting over there laughing. He said, you set me up. I said, yes, I did. I knew that was coming. Oh, boy. But you know, that, that uh, the purpose in doing that was to make sure you got it. Sure, sure. You know? And praise God, I got it. I, I can remember it. times I was in services with my dad when after he finished preaching, he would walk through the crowd and say, what did you get out of this message? Yeah. Well, who did you get out of this message? Who, who got, well, what did you get? What, what did the Lord say to you? And, and, and that just helps solidify yeah. the message in the people's minds and spirits. That's right. Well, your dad was a great pioneer of the faith. Yes. And a great pioneer of the, of the healing and miracle message and a great pioneer of the fact that God wanted us to prosper. Well, he not only knew that the word had to be preached, mm -hmm. but he also knew that the word had to be confirmed with yeah. miracles and signs and wonders. Plus, he knew that it was God's will for you to prosper. Yeah. He and my mother had discovered that back in the late 1940s, that God had shown him in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And when he discovered it, he read that scripture to my mother and my mother said, Oral, is that in the Bible? Yeah. And he, 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 he turned over to 3 mm -hmm. John 2 and read it to her. She said, well, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Well, it's there. Mm -hmm. He wants you to prosper and he wants you to be in health. He wants you to be well in every area of your life. And he poured that into yeah. us as children. Yeah, and that, that's probably when he first started saying, God is a good God. Yes. Something good's going to happen to you. That, which was an offshoot of God is a good God. That's right. In fact, he, he, he called uh, Stuart Hamlin, 
who wrote a number of great gospel songs. And by the way, someone has had pain that runs down the back of your shoulder. You're being healed right now in the Praise name of God. Jesus. That's a word of knowledge. Amen. And the Lord can interrupt anytime He wants. He called uh, Stuart Hamlin and said, write me a song. I want it to be called, God is a Good God. Mm -hmm. And he, he would say, God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. There's no goodness in the devil. There's no badness in God. Yeah. And he said, Stuart, write me a song that says, uh, God is a good God. And Stuart wrote, God is a good God. Every heartache he understands. Mm -hmm. There is healing power. There are miracles in the touch of his wonderful hands. Yeah. What he's done for others, he will do for you. If you'll only believe and trust him too, for God is a good God and his goodness he will show to you. Then, yeah. then he, he changed that some years later to something good is going to happen to you. And he called Ralph Carmichael, yeah. who was doing our music at the time. and said, Ralph, write me a song that says something good is going to happen to you. I want Richard to sing it yeah. on our program. And so for, for years, I sang that every week. Oh, yeah, something good is going to happen to you, happen to you this very day. Yeah. I sang that and I still sing it today. Yeah. And of course, back then when I was watching it, I was just a young believer and I never dreamed that I'd meet you or your dad, but I'd watch you every week. And uh, of course, I admired your dad so much. And, and of course, you've heard this, and I told him often that uh, in about 1957 is when I heard the call of God, mm -hmm. and I was watching your dad on TV when I heard that call. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, like I said, I never dreamed that I'd ever meet either you or him or, or your mom. But uh, when God made that happen, it was one of the finest days of my life because mm -hmm. I respected him so much and still do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I learned so much from his resources his books. In fact, uh, recently I was in uh, Italy and Sicily, mm -hmm. and uh, I read the book of your dad's life story again, yes. and I've read it at least a dozen times, but I took it with me to read it again. Mm. On the way back, I finished it on the way over there, I read it again on the way back, and it still touches my life such in such a special way. I helped him write parts of that book. Yeah. He, he would he would bring me manuscripts and have me edit and help me have me make changes. And as a matter of fact, <clears throat> I remember in 1969, you mentioned 69 earlier, he was writing The Miracle of Seed Faith. Yeah. And uh, I had learned how to type when I was 14 in Oklahoma Business School. And so he would write by hand on a legal yellow pad, mm -hmm. uh, uh, yellow legal pad, and uh, he would give it to me, I would type it, and then he would edit it and send it back to me and I'd type it again, and then he'd get it to where he wanted it. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I co-wrote that book with him. Well, you know, he'd the, let me interject yeah, my thoughts from time to time too. The, the first book I ordered from your ministry was The Miracle of Seed yeah, Faith. Yeah. And that was in 1969 when right. I came to the Lord. And one day I was watching your dad's program and he offered that book free. And I turned to Carolyn, I said, Carolyn, we can afford this one, it's free. <laughs> and we got that book and The yes. Miracle of Seed Faith. And I, I have preached messages over the years. And one of them I entitled, The Greatest Spiritual Law I've Ever Learned. And yeah. it's that law of seed time and harvest. Well, that book is probably the best book that yeah. he ever wrote among the many books that he wrote. He wrote some great books, but that book uh, went into the hands of some three and a half million people around wow. the world. And, and I still hear testimonies, yeah. people who are reading it uh, from, from those days are still receiving healings and, and you testimonies know, today. Uh, I've, I've had the privilege of preaching, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on 49 years in the ministry. I preached all over the world. And uh, from time to time, I'll preach one of your dad's sermons. Yes. And people think it's my sermon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and I usually and tell he, them he, he this was I learned from Oral Roberts, but somehow they forget that yeah. and they think it's mine. 
And so... Uh, well, but, but see, he taught me that truth is truth. Yeah. No matter where you find it, truth is truth. If you get something that's good and from the Bible and you could back it up with Scripture, yeah. preach it. Yeah. You don't need to give anybody any credit. Just preach it in Jesus' name and believe that God will confirm it. One time I was at ORU in, in the minister's conference there, charismatic Bible ministry. Yes. And after I preached, he come up to me and he said, uh, look at this. And he hadn't written in the back of his Bible. And I preached a message on the force of joy. And he had it the title, Oral's Joy. And he had all my notes. Yeah. And then he said, now I'm going to preach that and I'm not telling anybody where I got it. <laughs> yeah. And I said, like him. well, Brother Roberts, I've been doing you that way for years, so help yourself. Well, he used to say to me, Richard, you're the only one I know, except for Jerry Savelle, who will take the, the great truths of the Bible that God gave me and preach them like, you're, like they're your own and be proud of them. Yeah, and you know, your wife, bless her heart, recently she was digging through old uh, outlines and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and stuff that, from the ministry, and she found on a yellow sheet of paper where he had been in my meeting, I believe it was in Anaheim, California. Yes, it was. And I was preaching with Brother Copeland, and your dad took notes, and he had my name written in there about mm -hmm. three different times, mm -hmm. and she sent that over to me in his own handwritten notes, and sent that to me, and I thought, And where he preached it in Denver a couple of weeks That's later, right. and gave you no credit whatsoever. That's right. But he wrote my name in there, <laughs> and I thought, what a privilege. Oral Roberts is preaching one of Jerry Savelle's sermons. Praise God. Amen. Well, tell me about, of course, I know uh, you were just a young boy when your dad first entered into the healing ministry. But what do you remember the most about that in those crusades? I remember the miracles, Jerry. Um, he would preach. He preached long messages. And the reason, as I asked him, why, Daddy, why do you preach so long? He said, because people have to be schooled in faith. They, they need healing, but they don't know how to get into a position. And in those days, much of the church did not believe in healing. Right. They believed that healing died out when the apostles died out. But he came along with a message that God wants you well in every area of your life. And he had, to, he had to preach long messages to build people's faith so that when they came into the healing line, they could learn how to release their faith mm -hmm. through a point of contact and expect a miracle. But the part that I loved the most was after he preached and after he had given an invitation, then he would send uh, those people after they prayed and accepted Christ to a little prayer tent where the pastors were because his goal was not to take them home with him but to plant them in churches all over that, mm. that city or the, the rural area or wherever he was. Sure. Then he would go to a special tent, an extra tent called the invalid tent where people who would go who were too sick to stand in the prayer line and he would let me go with him. And I saw, it was like standing at the pool of Bethesda, all manner of sickness and disease yeah. in that little tent. People who couldn't stand up, who couldn't get into the prayer line. And I would walk with him as he prayed for each one, laying hands on them individually and praying. Then of course he came back in for the main prayer line. And I sat there, always sat over on the right side, uh, from this looking from the stage on the right hand side. And I just waited for him, hoping and praying that he would say, son, come up here and stand by me as I pray for people. And many times he would do that. And I could come up and stand by his side. And sometimes he would say, Richard, you touch them as well. I didn't realize that he was preparing me and God was preparing me for the healing ministry yes. that I entered into back in 1980. Mm -hmm. But those were, those were great days. And then of course on Sunday afternoons, he would lay hands on everyone who had not yet received the prayer of faith. And many times I would walk those prayer lines with him. I remember once, you, men, you mentioned 1957, um, he, he, he pitched his tent in, uh, in uh, New Jersey, in Trenton, New Jersey, and it was over 100 degrees in the summer in August, and it was probably 120 under the tent. And the last day there were 9,000 
that had not yet received the prayer of faith. Mm. And he walked prayer lines and laid hands on 9,000. And I walked every step with him. Wow. As, and sometimes he would say, son, you touch them with me as well. But I was being schooled in faith, mm. learning how to, to, to have an anointing on my life from God and to pray for the sick and to believe God for miracles. Yeah. And, and that prepared me for what I'm doing today. Yeah, and of course that same anointing just it operates in a little bit different way. Yes. Predominantly well, with the word of uh, he, knowledge. Yes. He, God gave him a sign. The sign came through his right hand. And God showed me that, that I would operate through the word of knowledge like I did a few moments ago mm -hmm. with the healing in, in the back of the neck, the shoulder. But, but not because one's better than the other. Right. They're just different. Mm -hmm. They're different administrations, sure. different ministries. But the result is the same. Right. The result is healing. Yeah, and that's the thing. God is trying to get people well. That's right. That's, That's his greatest purpose. wish. That's the purpose for all the gifts of the Spirit. God is wanting people well. He wants them whole. Amen. And that's what we, you and I both have been doing for many, many years yes. now. And, and God is continue. still in the healing business. That's what we'll continue to do. Well, He has not shut down His, his, uh, his light out in front of the healing shop. Amen. <laughs> you know, He's still in, in the healing business. In Luke chapter 18, Richard, and of course I know you're familiar with this, about this little woman who went to this unjust judge. Yes. And she was asking him to avenge her. And uh, he kept telling her, no, shut the door in her face and leave me alone and so forth. But she wouldn't give up. Mm -hmm. And she just kept knocking. And finally he says well, her to name her. name Lindsay? <laughs> yeah. Or Carolyn, uh, I'm not sure. You're, you're one of them. Okay. May have been both of them. And uh, eventually he says, I, so that this woman will not continue to uh, trouble me, I will give her what she desires. And then Jesus makes this statement. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith mm -hmm. in the earth. Mm -hmm. Now this is a, a great example of an unwavering faith, a determined faith. Yes. And he says, will he find faith in the earth? So that tells me that this is not a movement. This is not something that is a fad. This is not something that is here one day and gone the next. Right. Jesus specifically said, well, I find faith in the earth when I return. So this is a lifestyle mm -hmm. that every believer is supposed to be living before God, yes. supposed to be living in front of their children. In fact, uh, the reason I wrote this book about honoring your heritage of faith is because God said that the reason He chose Abraham to enter into covenant with is because he knew he would teach and train his children. Yes, right. In other words, he would pass it on. It would be perpetual, mm -hmm. that it wouldn't end with just Abraham. And when the Bible talks about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, three generations, I think God thinks, if I can get this message in at least three generations, it will be perpetuated. Yes. It will continue in the earth. Well, I got a hold of it in 1969. My children are living it, and they're preaching it. Both of them are preachers of faith. Mm -hmm. Now my grandchildren are getting it. And so if the Lord tarries, I got three generations of Savelles that live well, by faith. I got it through my father, and then when I married Lindsay, she got it because my father yeah. always considered Lindsay a daughter and not a daughter-in-law. Yeah. He called her a, a daughter of Israel yeah. to her face. That's mm -hmm. what he called her. And then it's in my children. And so we've, well, there's three generations right there as well through the Roberts. Yeah. So. This, this walk of faith, this life of faith, it's supposed to be perpetuated. And what we're endeavoring to do is to teach people just like you 
what we've learned about the life of faith, teach you how to operate in it, and encourage you to stick with it. Don't give up because so many people have given up. So many people, in fact, a lot of preachers, a lot of pastors that I have preached for over the years, they're no longer preaching the Word of That's Faith. Right. They've, they've walked away from it. And I notice here that he specifically says, will he find faith on the earth? He didn't say, will I find grace on the earth? Will I find love on the earth? Those are all important. Well, when he asked the question, looking for is faith. when he asked that question, what's indicative in that question is, I'm looking for faith. Yeah. You know, they say the Marines are looking for a few, a few young men. men. God's looking for faith. He's looking for men and women who will believe Him, who will stand right. up for His Word and believe Him in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I want to pray for each and every one of you that are watching this broadcast today. Maybe you didn't grow up in a household of faith like Richard did and like our children have. Maybe you're, you're just coming to the Lord and uh, you're just now learning about faith. I want to encourage you to stay in the Word of God don't let anybody talk you out of your faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The more time you spend in the Word, the stronger your faith is going to become. Right. And don't, once again, don't let anybody talk you out of it. It's not a movement. It's a lifestyle. The just shall live by faith. So Richard, like your dad used to do, stretch your hand out and pray for all of our viewing audience. Father, in the authority of Jesus' name, yes, I come Lord. against every sickness, every disease, every fear, every doubt. I come against anything and everything that's unlike God. In the authority of Jesus' name, I pray for healing yes. from the crown of your head even unto the soles of your feet. Be healed in the authority of Jesus' name. Satan, you take your hands off God's property. I pray for you to be healed in every area of your life, from the crown of your head even unto the soles of your feet, right now in the name of Jesus. And I expect a miracle with you. Praise God. Amen. The Bible says, Mark the 11th chapter, the 24th verse, that we are to believe we receive when we pray. Yes. So one of the greatest expressions of faith is thanksgiving and praise. Just begin to lift your hands and thank God that you are healed, Hallelujah. you are delivered, and you are free. I receive it. Amen. <laughs> Richard and I will be back in just a moment. God has created a legacy of faith for us and wants us to uphold and pass this heritage on to our children. In the powerful book, Honoring Your Heritage of Faith, Jerry Savelle writes about the family tree of faith God has created for his children and how God desires for us to uphold the lineage by living it out before our children. 
Learn about the positions of faith and how to move through them, how to live your faith out and teach it to your children, the lineage of faith, and so much more. In the classic DVD teaching, The Fourth Man, Jerry Savelle explores the question, who was the fourth man in the fiery furnace with the Hebrew children? Discover the price of compromise in this powerful message. Don't wait. Call or go online now to jerrysavelle.org and request this powerhouse combo, including honoring your heritage of faith and the fourth man. God is calling you to a lifestyle of faith. Start developing and perpetuating your lifestyle of faith today. Thank you once again for joining us today. It's been a privilege sharing the Word with you. And Richard and I will be back next week uh, continuing to talk about honoring your heritage of faith. Let me remind you that our special offer this week, my book entitled Honoring Your Heritage of Faith. I wrote this a number of years ago. In fact, it, it was the result of uh, Brother Copeland asking me to come and speak to his staff. He said, you're the Kenneth Copeland Ministries historian because I'd been there longer than anybody other than Kenneth and Gloria themselves. And he said, come talk about what you learned in those early days regarding faith. Mm -hmm. And he said, a lot of our staff today, they don't know anything about our early days. You do. So I went over to speak to the staff. And as a result of it, God put in my heart to write this book entitled Honoring Your Heritage of Faith. Powerful little book. Talks about how that God expects you to teach your children and your children's children how to operate in faith. And once again, as I said earlier, if, you, if God can get three generations to live by faith, there's a strong possibility it will be perpetuated Amen. right on up until the appearing of Jesus. Amen. And then back in 1981, Richard, uh, I was preaching with Brother Copeland in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, I'd already preached all of my services. Uh, usually I always preach in the morning, the afternoon. Brother Copeland did the evening services. The last night of that meeting, uh, we walked into the auditorium and I'm sitting on the front row there with Carolyn Gloria and Charles Capps and I believe uh, Norval Hayes was one of the speakers. And we're getting ready for Brother Copeland to preach. He walked up to the podium and he said, let's open our Bibles and we're waiting to hear where and he never told us. Finally, he closed his and he said, Jerry, I believe God wants you to close this meeting out. Come on up here. So I, I didn't have a clue what I was going to preach, <laughs> but I'd worked with Brother Copeland long enough. Stay ready, you know. And so and when I walked up to that, that, old, that old boy right there was just like that too. <laughs> yeah, when uh, I walked up to the podium, I just op laid my Bible down. Still didn't know what I was going to preach, and it opened to the Book of Daniel, and I started preaching your dad's most famous tent sermon called "The Fourth Man." Oh, yes, how very remember. I didn't know that all that was in me because that was the first sermon I ever heard your dad preach when I was a little boy mm -hmm. in 1957 when I heard the call to preach. And I started preaching the fourth man and I had no idea all that was in me. We had miracles that night. It was so powerful. And your dad allowed me to put this on DVD mm -hmm. and present it to our partners and our friends. And a lot of people still to this day think it's my sermon, but I put your dad on the front cover <laughs> so they'd know I learned this from your daddy. So this is our offer this week, my book, Heritage of Faith and the Fourth Man DVD. It'll Order it, and I'm telling you, you won't be able to put it It'll down. God bless you. Amen. So be sure and join with us again next week. And until then, remember, your faith will overcome the world. Next week. God made a covenant with Adam. Adam blew it but then he started over with Noah. 
And then eventually he made a covenant with Abraham. Yes. And the Bible says we are the seed of Abraham. Right. But notice that God used the word perpetual. So this was something that was supposed to last indefinitely. On and on and on, on, and, on, on and on. Generation yes. after generation. That's correct.